Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. It's Michael Martin. Thanks for being here. And as customary, I normally think about some good things to say about the previous episode after I've recorded it and hit and done the noise reduction and whatever else I need to do to prepare it for public syndication and all that. And we talked about preparedness yesterday. Uh, it occurs to me, because today I want to talk about books, that when, when I started on Wall Street, it was both kind of hip and the culture of the time to recommend reading The Art of War, you know, going to Wall Street. Part of it was because everybody was doing it. And of course, being a classic, a classic, I think it was, uh, who was it that said it? Mark Twain, a classic is a book that everyone wants to say that they've read, but no one wants to actually read. I think The Art of War will probably fall into that category. Anyway, The Art of War, you know, written by Sun Tzu, you know, Chinese philosopher, so to speak, on war and how to deal with conflict. Um, probably a lot of top, there's about a million translations. But I think the ethos, the main ethos of the book that a lot of folks miss is that um, winning without fighting is the best solution, right? But unfortunately, things don't always fall into place that way. So there's lots of chapters, and there was one about preparedness. And the quote that everyone, it's kind of like the quote Ed, from Ed Sakota in Market Wizards, you know, win or lose, everyone gets what they want. Well, that's true for life, right? It's kind of a truism. In The Art of War, they talk about all wars are won, this and that, before the battles are fought. But I think the real value in the chapter of preparedness can really more apply to traders and folks like yourself. And that was a quote that said, um, a victorious warrior first wins and then seeks battle. And I thought that was a that's a good quote about preparedness for sure, because it's in the chapter of preparedness. <laughs> so um, when you think about planning out your day, you know, planning to win and then doing everything for it as having a goal, which we, te we talk about at least once a week, and then envisioning yourself being in possession of that goal. And then asking yourself, how does it actually feel that now in your imaginary world that you've already achieved it? And how do you feel being in possession or having achieved that goal? And then going out and taking the steps that you need to take in that positive vibe to achieve those goals, you'll find that the world around you is going to respond to you differently because you're in a different energy. And even if you don't know how to hit your goal, that new energy actually will attract the resources and the people that you need to help you hit the damn goal. So, um, might be good food for thought if you go back to yesterday's episode and uh, on preparedness and start thinking about that from a preparation standpoint. You know, you can do that each and every day. You could start it during the week, Saturday, Sunday, get your goal set, things that you want to what steps are you going to take during the week? Not the, right? Your, your calendar probably has tasks in it. But what do those tasks do to add up to the actual goals that you want to hit? Right? Getting the new iPhone 12 is not a goal. Especially when there's really nothing that you can do any, in 5G just yet. That's really worth having a $1,000 phone. Um, so anyway, got a couple questions about some books and, you know, which books do you like, which books had a big impact on you and this and that. And, 
You know, I could probably put a lot of thought into it, but the easiest answer is just probably the first Market Wizards book. Um, because I hadn't read an interview book yet. Now it seems like everybody and my dead grandmother want to do interview books. Uh, and they're interesting to some degree, but after reading and reading and reading and knowing lots of traders, I don't really feel that there's anything new that's been said in that regard. I think they're, you know, the traders in that first book, you know, we learned that they were human beings, that they had strong emotions. They all had gotten hit hard and taken losses. Um, they all seemed to have made money through the crash in 87, which was very recent for when that first book was published. Um, they all had a strong sense of who they were as people. They all believed that they could do it. Right, so those are the kind of themes that came through that. And if you were new to trading and you were coming into the business around that time when you can read very, very human stories about what people needed to do to kind of make it, um, you you know, you could take solace in that and say, Hey, that's how I feel. I can I can identify with those feelings, even if I might not make money the same way that any of them do it, I can do it my way and figure out my right path. And make that happen. But then after I read it, it's like having a beer. The economic utility of each successive one, and I rarely drink, I don't know, probably once a month, um, is less and less, right? So we have diminishing returns. And so I don't really read trading books anymore because I don't think there's anything that needs to be said. I don't need any more insight on technical analysis because I'm kind of doing our own proprietary research here. Chart patterns are largely useless, um, and books on them are even worse. But for some reason, the publishers want to put out these books for $125 when you can get all of it for free on the internet. Which brings me to my next point. You know, when people ask me, what's a good book to, you know, read if I want to learn about futures or this and that? Well, you know, um, it's hard to not recommend books that my friends have written because they're my friends and I want to help them. The thing is, is that they're also very, very successful people. So you don't just have to take it from me, but you could get like Jack's, Jack Schwager's book on, you know, Complete Guide to Futures is very valuable, um, you know, to have as a reference book. There was another one back in the day that we all bought, uh, kind of pre-internet, certainly the way you know the internet now. Uh, the internet, when we started, didn't exist except for military and maybe on s some university campuses. Um, a book called The Futures Game, Who Wins, Who Loses, and Why by Tools and Jones. But most of that information now is available again for free on the internet at the exchanges because it would put together, you know, interesting fundamental stuff about the contracts and the contract specs and where do they trade and this and that. And a lot of the names have changed. You know, there is no coffee, sugar, cocoa exchange anymore like there was when I started. It became whatever, the New York Board of Trade, and then it became the ICE. So... um and then certain exchanges didn't exist, like Lifey, you know, was one of the first to go all electronic, right? And then uh, 
London Metals Exchanges. They're not futures, actually. They're forwards. And then some of the, the American markets went electronic. So a lot of that information had become obsolete. Because I don't think anyone wants to be on the floor. I don't know why you'd want to be on the floor and relegated into one pit to one market when it's so much easier to be upstairs and see across all markets and open up lots of opportunities. Most of the guys who I knew that were on the floor found themselves in slow periods, you know, forcing and putting on trades because they were just bored stiff. Um, so I would not, if some of you are thinking about trying to go to whatever floor positions are available, I would I would shy away from that and try to work upstairs and trade across all markets rather than being on the floor because it's 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 nothing like it was when the markets were traded you know open outcry um i read a lot because i don't have the tv but i don't like i said i don't read um markets and economics things for the most part so the what i read probably wouldn't be much interest to you anyway so those would be the books that I would look at. Um, again, the first Market Wizards had the biggest impact on me. Uh, I you know, have all the other ones, but the first one you know, had the biggest impact. And then if you're looking about futures, you can look at Jack's you know, Complete Guide or the Tools and Jones book called The Futures Game. And you know, that's that. If you're looking at spreads, you know, the, the spreads material is very thin as far as published material. And what's out there is obsolete or it's written by academics. Um, so I know the folks over at More Research, MRCI, and although it's not a book, it's probably the best source where you can learn about the seasonal tendencies around, you know, physical commodities, as well as, you know, the relationships between the contracts, either, you know, intra-commodity spreads like an old crop, new crop type of a deal, or changes in the season, you know, from, you know, fall to winter, winter to spring, in certain commodities where there's transition. You can learn about, you know, crack spreads in energy, and crush spreads in the soybean complex and uh, other kind of interesting things that, again, you could look and find and learn for yourself if you would just look at the data. Anyway, those are the resources I have for you. Um, you know, all those people are friends. I would, um, so I don't get paid on it though, but it's probably worth telling you all that it's not terribly objective, <laughs> um, but it is what it is. If you'd like a free copy of the audiobook version of The Inner Voice of Trading, it's on me at Martin Chronicle. Go help yourself. Thanks for being here. I'll see you tomorrow.